whether we are new in our faith or have been following Jesus for many years, engaging our purpose is about discovering and trusting God's call on our lives. Now, when we're young or youth who may be even in the room, we look out and they wonder where their place is in, their, in the world. How do they uniquely fit? What are they going to do in this world? And is it going to serve a purpose or make a difference? And then for those of us who have been around a little bit longer, maybe we wonder, we've been occupying a place in this world, and has it made a difference? Has it moved the needle the way we maybe thought it would? But when we are in Christ, as followers of Jesus, he has given us no need to worry no need to wonder. Rather, he has invited us to engage purpose, to glorify him, to tell others about him. He has modeled that for us and taught us what it looks like. And over the last couple of weeks, we've discussed that. We sought to bring clarity onto your primary calling and your secondary calling. We looked at our aim, it was to focus on our shared interdependence, how we don't do this by ourselves, but it is actually the body of Christ working together in concert that is necessary, and how your purpose is to be his church, is to be the body, his bride, to be the temple. And today, who Jesus is holds the greatest insight into how God reveals your purpose. How so? Well, Psalms 139 says, before you were born, God knew you and had a purpose for your life. And then Jesus in John 3 would say that we must be born again to see his kingdom. And when you are born again, you become a member of God's family, his children who steward his ministry. Ephesians 2:19 says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God has through Christ because of who he is given us purpose as citizens and even more so as saints and even more so as members of his family. He has given us a ministry. Not ministry, we get it from 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not some of you who are in Christ, but if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, our trespasses against us. And then he entrusts us the message of reconciliation. See, our shared ministry is the message of reconciliation which we have through Christ and can see in the words, the actions, the miracles, the messages, the life, the death, the ascension, Jesus and his sending of the Holy Spirit. 
We are members of the body of Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation who listen, love, and lead others home in Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the direction. He is the way. Jesus is the truth, consistent with mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Jesus is life on earth as it is in heaven and eternal. Jesus is saying to those present and to us now, there is no other way. There is only one option to have life. Without Jesus, we are just walking dead, dead in our sin. And it's seemingly harsh news because the sin, because the fall, we have wanted to be like God, to be able to go our own way, to speak our own truth, to live our own life. But life isn't that easy. John 6, 63 says this, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Now this causes many to want to find, uh, not to want to find life in Christ. They turned away from him when he would say this. He'd say, it's, it's in spirit. It's, it, he'd say, eat my body, drink my blood, kind of like we did communion, saying, you need to partake, participate in who I am. I am life. He was saying this to his disciples and followers, and crowds would hear it, and they'd go, this is hard. I can't do that. Because that means I have to empty myself of who I am to embrace all of who you are. That means my truth is subject to your truth. My will is subject to your will. I don't know if I can handle that. He turns to his disciples and he says, what are you going to do about this? Peter replies, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God the truth of God, a purpose from God, profoundly affects our direction, the truth we carry, and the life we testify to because we ourselves have been reconciled, brought from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. So in light of this, if I spent time with you one-on-one, -on -one, if we sat down either at Starbucks or Timmy's or in your family room, your living room, wherever you feel most comfortable. And we were just to invite the Holy Spirit to lead that conversation. If we were in that moment right now, we can just pretend we're in that moment right now. You all just cozy up in your favorite spot. Just imagine you've got that drink in your hand and it's just the two of us sitting there. I might ask you these four questions to help you engage in your purpose. The first one is this. Are you currently being faithful to what you have been given? Are you currently being faithful to what you've been given? Second one, 
Are you clear on how God clarifies purpose? Third one, do you know your spiritual gifts? And the fourth one, have you accepted your gift of limits? Now, you may wonder, okay, I, these questions, these are, these are pretty big questions. So let's break them down. Are you currently being faithful to what you've been given? What have you been given? You've been given salvation. You've been given stewardship. You've been given service. Salvation is a costly gift. It costs Jesus everything. It costs you nothing to receive it, but it costs everything to steward it. If you came to faith because someone said, all you have to do is say this prayer and you'll be saved. I am so sorry they have misled you. That begins a journey. But what you're doing when you say that prayer is giving your life entirely to Christ and saying, it is no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me because I am dead in my sin and I can only live if Christ lives in me. And if you believe that, it is going to have a radical difference. It's going to make a radical difference in how you live. Because you're going to have to look at it and go like, I have to obey the will of Christ. I have to follow the will of Christ in all that I do, in all that I am. It is no longer me that's making these choices. I submit my life to Christ. So yes, it takes one prayer to say, God, I give you my life. I lay my life down on the altar and ask you for, for your forgiveness and your reconciliation. And now I'm going to spend the rest of my life walking out obedience, stewardship of the salvation you freely offer me because you love me. It's costly. Matthew 16, it says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. From God's ultimate love, we are saved. From his ultimate love, we willingly deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow, lose our life because we know a love like his is worth everything. So are you faithful to your salvation? And in light of your salvation, are you faithful to stewarding your time, your talent, your treasure, are you willingly giving them all to God and saying, God, they're yours. Everything I have, my time, my treasure, my talent, they're yours and yours alone. In light of your salvation, are you faithful in your posture to serve others, both inside and outside the church? Are you being faithful to what you've been given? Second question, are you clear on how God clarifies purpose? I want you to picture a pathway. You're going on a hike, your favorite hike in the area or wherever you've been. Maybe you've gone down to the Adirondacks, Lake Placid. You've hiked. Picture your favorite trail, even if that just happens to be the sidewalk outside your house. Picture your favorite pathway, a journey, a purpose that you're going to walk. God forms and clarifies us in the same way with the different pathways that we've pictured will travel. How so? Your right foot. Your right foot is the doing side 
of your purpose. It's in these steps where God forms how you minister through all of life's stages. This is the external, the doing side of you. Every time you take a step in doing, God is forming you into who he wants you to be. But there's another side that you need to walk in. Your left foot is the being side. In it, in it the steps was where God forms who you are as a minister through all of life's stages. It's the interior. God works on both walking in step with his Holy Spirit. So where are your steps leading you? Do they lead you to a deeper desire? Do they lead you walking in your doing and in your being to be closer and closer to Jesus? Or are you trying to hop through life, only doing or only being, struggling to figure out the picture of how God is clarifying your purpose in life? Because we all want to hear what it says in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. To hear that God is pleased with how we have responded to his forming purpose. Jesus is Lord. Not us, not anybody else. We serve him. And as we serve him, Holy Spirit gives us gifts to serve others, which brings glory to God. So do you know your spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 12 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Spiritual gifts are a display of the Spirit's power within us. Spiritual gifts are meant for the common good of the church, and for God's glory. As a testimony, like that song we sang, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed the manifestation of God's power through his people in the world today for his glory. We don't pick our gift. The Holy Spirit gifts us as he sees fit. Walking in step with our purpose and our doing, he gifts us as he wills for the purposes he has for us. So with that in mind, our counselor, the Holy Spirit, directs us towards our divine purpose. Our responsibility in that is this, to desire the gifts, to discover our gifts, to discern and develop them, to discern and develop the difference between our desires and the Holy Spirit's desires. When he gives us gifts and we want to use them in a certain way rather than knowing what Holy Spirit desires us to do. It isn't easy, but it comes through submission to his ways, his word, and his body. It isn't something we can do alone. So do you know how the Holy Spirit has gifted you? Do you know where the Holy Spirit is directing you? Because knowing where he's not directing you, leans into our last question. Have you accepted your gift of limits? So what do I mean by that, your gift of limits? Well, if the end desire is to hear, well done, 
What exactly has Jesus given or not given you? Because in that same passage where he says, talks about being well done, he speaks to individual limits at the beginning of that passage. In Matthew 25, it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. Obviously, Jesus is in heaven, and the Holy Spirit has given us gifts and talents for us to use according to our abilities. In church, sometimes leaders, and often the whole body, really get this all confused. Our pride and our expectation of people to be like us or to be like our heroes in the faith, in their, their right foot of, of doing not the left foot of being. And we want, to all, we want us all to have similar gifts or to use our gifts in the same way we use our gifts. We expect other Christians to be just like us. But we equally steward according to our God-designed capacity. Because God's focus isn't on fairness. Isn't on making sure everybody here in the room gets all the same gifts or all the same equal amount of gifts and that everybody can play nicely. This isn't, this isn't like daycare. This isn't kindergarten. We're growing and maturing in our faith. You don't have to fulfill someone else's plan. Bear fruit with what he's entrusted you. And if you want to emulate your hearers in the faith, if you want to emulate something, emulate their faithfulness. Emulate their obedience. Emulate their willingness to give it all for the purposes of God. And then apply that to your God-given gifts. Because intellect has its limits. I'm only going to be so smart. Exactly. Emotions have limits. Spiritual gifts have limits. Life experience has limits. Skills have limits. Finances have limits. Leadership has limits. Even this church will have limits. But God alone has no limits. And while we are made in the image of God, we are not God. He is infinite. And we have limits. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, but our beginning and our end are known by God. When we exceed our God-given limits, we either burn out or we burn everything down. We either phase out ourselves or everything around us gets burned down as we become overloaded and toxic. Everything you need for this season of purpose, you already possess. Everything we need for this season of ministry is already found in this room. Everything we need for the next season of ministry, everything you need for the next season of ministry is found in your stewardship. And everything we need for this next season of ministry at Life Center is found in the harvest of all of our stewardship. This is why we as the body of Christ, his bride and his temple, engage purpose in our lives and as a church. Jesus so loved the world 
Yet people loved other things more than Jesus. And their love of other things, other themselves, the worlds, or darkness, creates a gap. And in this gap, God calls us and makes us kingdom members and reconciliation ministers. Maybe you're here today and there's a gap between you and God that needs to be reconciled. And most likely, we all have family, friends, coworkers, fellow students, if you're a student in school, who love other things more than Jesus. Maybe they don't even know Jesus at all. And this is where we come in to point to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As ministers, God gives us a ministry and designation. So let's read it in closing today. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Paul entreats the church, those reading, including us, be reconciled and then join with the rest of the body of Christ in that ministry. In our lives, we have to put no obstacles in anyone's way into stepping into reconciliation with God. But even more than not putting an obstacle in that way, we are to actively engage our distinct purposes in the ministry of reconciliation. To close our service, Joan Plored has written a wonderful prayer for us regarding this, that uh, together as all of our Life Center campuses, we are going to pray in declaration together regarding our purpose. I'm going to read it, and you're going to see it on the screens. Feel free to read along with me if you choose to, but I'm going to read this on behalf of our congregation that this would be our prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you today as citizens of heaven and your children, once deserving of nothing but eternal separation from you. Lord, thank you for reconciling us to yourself. In our humanity, we will fail at times, but you, O oh God, continuously love us and show us grace if we repent and turn away from sin. Lord, each day we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Each day, help us to forget ourselves and live our lives doing your will and following your example. We declare we are one body, one bride, one temple, united in Christ. God, give us wisdom to recognize our limits while helping us to be fully aware of our capabilities. Holy Spirit, at this very moment, speak to each heart. Where are you calling us today? 
how have you gifted us to serve in this area? Help us to work together as a body. Stir our hearts, Lord. Help us to serve one another with love and joy. Help us to encourage and build each other up in the faith. Thank you, Lord, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We live in a broken world, a hopeless world. People today need hope. We declare they will see us united, filled with your love, your joy, and the true hope that comes through salvation in you. We were created in your image for such a time as this. Be glorified in us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God, we surrender ourselves to you today. God, I pray for anyone in this room where there's a gap between you and them that today is the day of their salvation, that they can be reconciled with you. And God, that we would engage purpose, that we would take those four questions to heart and to learn to live and engage and walk in step with your purpose, both our being and our doing. We thank you, God, that you don't just save us, but you save us you empower us and you bring us along with you on mission loving the world bringing your salvation to all who hear you and call on your name